raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, um, you know, this is a, a tough situation. Um, a lot has happened in a short amount of time. And, um, you know, there, there's just a whole lot to take in. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, it's so multifaceted. There's so many variables here uh, at play. But, you know, bottom line is tough situation, especially midseason. Um, you know, I feel for Connor. Um, I've been on either end of that deal um, in, in some cases numerous times. And, uh, yeah, big fan of his, and, and hopefully he'll be back in the uh, IndyCar series soon where he belongs, no doubt. Just, um, yeah, we're just plugging away hour by hour here, day by day, and uh, looking forward to the race weekend ahead. Um, you know, I had, I had uh, obviously, I agreed to, um, you know, the end of my term at Andretti, the beginning of, uh, what was it? It was actually the end of 2020 that we agreed, you know, 2021 is our last season. And yeah, I wanted to take a step back, try some new things. You know, I wanted to go do the SRXs of the world. I wanted to have the opportunity to drive for teams like, uh, you know, um, for CGR and IMSA and for Cadillac, for Cadillac and, and Chip Ganassi and IMSA. And, um, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed taking a step back and, and kind of getting a renewed sense of kind of where I wanted to be. And no, I was not pursuing anything full time in IndyCar. Uh, right now, it's it's honestly it's 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 race by race. We'll see where it goes. Um, I'm not really sure where it's going yet, and I'm not I'm not uh, really taking I'm not I'm not looking that far ahead. Right now, I am I am totally focused on getting to Road America, doing the best job I can for that group of people at Ed Carpenter Racing, who I have a great relationship with, and that's that's really where it is. So we'll see where it goes, and um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure on me, honestly. And silly season gets a jump on 2024, starting before we hit summer of 23. Welcome to Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. Eddie Garrison is downtown. I'm Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan. You're welcome to join in at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan tonight. That's Ryan hunter Ray, now the driver of the number 20 bitnile.com Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing. We've got that to discuss We've got the Santio Grand Prix Sunday afternoon here on the radio. And make note, USA Network. This is uh, the first of back-to-back races on USA Network Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Peacock coverage as well. Uh, Simulcast and also for all the practice and qualifying sessions. We've got some schedule conversation for 24 and plenty more on the way tonight. Let's get into it. We've only got an hour, Kurt, so the news hit, uh, unfortunately, the day after our show. But I even told you last week, sometimes, full disclosure, we tape this show in part because my internet connection is very unstable and uncertain, and I feel more confident about it, taping it, and then if it goes awry, we just simply hit pause and keep going. But I said, you know what? I I think some things may be happening Uh, And I did not know this was happening, but I just said, I think things are happening. We'd better go live for a little while just to be able to react uh, like we did last year when Alex Pillow was announced by two teams on one day. So last Wednesday, Ed Carpenter Racing announced that they have mutually agreed to end their relationship effective immediately with Connor Daly. And then Thursday morning, 
Ryan Hunter Ray, who you just heard, was announced as their new driver. So, Kurt, your reaction, and then what questions do we have stemming from all of this? Well, I think I would start with the mutual decision. I don't think it was mutual. It may have been mutual within the Ed Carpenter building. Uh, I don't think this is what Connor Daly signed up for. You could tell by some of maybe some of his reactions, not that he was uh, too outward about it, but he, he, he did make a couple comments that that led you to believe that wasn't what he had hoped would happen. Um, Agreed. And by the way, we did last week's show live. Uh, we're doing this week's show live because it does kind of feel like we're in the middle you of a silly season never period. <laughs> yeah. You just never know. That's the point. And, and I'm starting to feel like, as you have been for, for longer than I have been, but I think, I think there's still more to come. And, you know, we have talked about some of those uh, in the past, and I saw a couple uh, columns written, or at least something of columns written by people who who blog, and and I think that yeah, I think that we still could would serve ourselves well to be live as much as possible here over the next few weeks. But as for Connor, you know, the downside to this is I don't see a lot of options for him. I think there will be some changes, but I think those are changes that. I wouldn't expect to have Connor's name on it. Um, I don't know that. It just it just senses. For, well, no, I don't want anyone to get into speculation just yet. But you know, he has driven for some of those teams. He has, uh, or for, he's driven for some teams in the series, and you tend to not go back to where you've been. And I just don't see spots for him. That's that's the sad part. I could see an indie only deal. I could see uh, him having interest, obviously, but I just don't see it at least as we move forward over the next few months for Connor. So that's unfortunate. As for Ryan Hunter Ray, I don't think he wants to do this full time. I think he's very close with Ed Carpenter and obviously was willing to help out the situation. He's very good on road courses and has been good at, at Road America, even if he doesn't have a lot of you know, wins and so forth to show for it. They haven't raced at Road America a lot in his IndyCar career. They were gone for some time. So the point is, uh, I think he'll be a help. I don't think he's, I think he might be there through the rest of the season, but I suspect, uh, you know, they just tested Linus Lundquist. I would expect them to put him in the car some and just see what they've got there. And, um, We'll see how this goes, but it's not. It's been a very difficult time for Ed Carpenter Racing on both cars, all three cars, I suppose you could say, uh, when they've run three on the ovals. And um, I think you and I and most of the fan base would like to. It, it just feels right when Ed Carpenter Racing has a competitive car, and they've not been that for much of the season or last season, for that matter. So I'll start first with just reaction and. I, I just wondered if something might happen before this race and didn't know necessarily, you know, I think there are two or three spots that you just kind of wonder about that you suspect, suspect there's going to be a change after the season. And if there was going to be a change in season, this is the time to do it. It's like the bye week. If, if you have that opportunity for a football team to change the coach. So that's one of the reasons why I was kind of keeping an eye. And there were several comments in the paddock at Detroit uh, from People in the industry, don't be surprised if something happens this week. 
I, I admit I did wonder about Connor's future in part because some of his comments. I don't think it got on the air on our Peacock post-race show, but I talked to him after the 500, and it was a pretty decent day, finished eighth. He seemed really down and even made the comment of, you know, I hope I get another chance next year. And I think he said that a couple of other places, which struck me a little bit that I wondered if he knew what was going on or just sort of saw the writing on the wall there. And as you said, it's not been going well for the team. And I don't suspect it's Connor's fault necessarily, but just like when they fire the coach or the manager in other sports, you can't fire all the players. So in this case, you can't fire all the team members. If you do want to shake things up, the driver is the easiest thing that you can change because there are always capable drivers out there. Another thing that I wonder plays into it is Renus VK is a driver with a lot of upset. He's really fast. He's had some results, but you know, just looking head to head, if you're a fan of Connie, you're saying, well, wait a minute, Renus is just barely out qualifying him most of the time and often doesn't finish ahead of him, but he's had some better results than him. And and when it's right, it's really right for Renus. I think he needs someone that can really help develop the car. And that was more of Connor's role. And they may have come to a conclusion that that wasn't working that he, and and just from listening to the radio, I sensed tension during races when Connor was talking about the car, not being good and just the reaction from the team. I recall hearing him on his podcast, say something along the lines a month or so ago, that his spotter, Packy Wheeler, is, I don't know how he phrased it, is one of the few people that really supports me on the team or something like one of the people that supports me the most on the team. But that was a little bit striking that, you know, also raised an antenna, uh, wondering where where things are going. Marshall Pruitt at Racer.com wrote, and, and I will admit, I do not know of this. I have not heard this, so I'm going on his reporting, said that the conclusion of the relationship is understood to be one that has more to do with interpersonal relationships than on-track results. So what does that mean? Maybe it means the frustrations boiled over and there was a shouting match between the driver and someone in upper management. And when it got to a point that, you know, we know we're going to make a change at the end of the year, so let's just go ahead and do it now. One thing I wondered about, too, is, so I said this to someone that, whose opinion I would respect uh, when we were talking about openings pointed to a transporter and said, might they consider Hunter Ray next year? Uh, so I wondered, is this maybe something of, we think he might have an option. We'd like to get him now. I don't know that that's it. I don't think that's it, but I do think that what Ed Carpenter said in the statement is a hundred percent accurate. What they need right now is someone to help develop the program, and they're probably going to take their lumps. Remember when Elio Castroneves was out for a while and came back for that one-off, how far off he was doing it with a different team? I think it's a bigger transition when you've been with Team Penske your entire life doing it with anyone else. So Hunter Ray has been with other teams. He Before he was with Andretti, he was with this team essentially for a little bit with Vision. He spent a little time with A.J. Foyd racing, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing. So I don't think it's going to be 
culture shock, but a year and a half not doing road racing in an Indy car, and by the way, a track this weekend that is going to have monster grip. It's going to be four seconds faster than what we've seen. Uh, so that's going to be challenging. To Connor's options, I think he does have a, a future as a paid professional race car driver. He just has signed with uh, Dennis Reinbold's team to do Nitro Cross. That's not IndyCar. It's not great. But here's the model for Connor. I, I know he wants to continue driving IndyCar, but if that does not become available, he is a bit of an influencer. He needs to be a racing driver to give himself a platform to continue to develop the relationships commercially that he has. I would expect he would be strongly considered to be hired for the Indy 500. Maybe he needs to bring some budget like most do, but not all of it potentially. And someone might just hire him like a Dennis Reinbold. What if Ryan Hunter Ray stays with Ed Carpenter Racing next year? There's all of a sudden... And opening, there could be some NASCAR opportunities. I think for IndyCar, the reality is he's he's kind of where he's been. You know, half the drivers are hired drivers. The other half are required to bring some budget. And unfortunately, Connor is still in that camp. So maybe this December's birthday trip, and that's another new sponsor. The other thing that I think that is, is being discussed a lot and, and what did surprise some people is, well, wait a minute, I thought BitNile was Connor Daly's sponsor. And here I don't know, but it's been suggested that Ed already had some sort of relationship with Todd Alt, and this came together. And, you know, I'm very likely misphrasing this, but one theory would be that uh, they had already had some conversations, and when Todd mentioned wanting, hey, can anybody be in Vegas tomorrow to meet, Ed is, well, yeah, Connor is there and probably also suspected that they would hit it off. And that's the type of brand representative that Todd was looking for. And this could help get that deal done. So it's possible that that relationship was already brewing, but Connor helped seal the deal. But even if that's totally wrong and it was all Connor, I give you Zach Veach and Gainbridge. And uh, it's it's one thing to get the opportunity because of the sponsor, but at some points, the sponsor is seeking more results. And you'll also note that BitNile is on all of the cars. So this has gone beyond just a Connor Daly relationship and has become an Ed Carpenter Racing relationship. Whether that was there's budget available, I want to do more, or was it you're already paying a good number here, we want to give you the best chance to get to victory lane, so we're going to put you also on Renus's car and on Ed's car for the Indy 500 to make sure that you are getting blanket coverage. Uh, my guess is that you know some have said, well, where is Bitnile going? Are they going to side with Connor or are they going to side with Ed? My guess is they've already made their decision, that this was cleared by them. Now, hopefully, there's still an opportunity for some budget from Bitnile to do other things, like other NASCAR races this year or sports car racing or whatever. I'm hoping that relationship remains strong and there's an opportunity for them to continue to support Connor uh, as a brand ambassador and, and as a racing driver. So those are some of my first thoughts, and I'm sure I've left out some things I have that we'll continue to bring up. No, I thought I thought you you saw me nod my head when I 
when you got to the Zach Veach Gamebridge relationship and, you know, I mean, I've spent time with, with management on that one and, you know, there comes a point at which you need results. You get deep enough into this sport, you see how it goes, you want to see success. And if you have the chance, you know, when the team comes to you and says, we got a chance to get someone else, um, I think you you listen to the business proposition and you and you move forward. And and in Gamebridge's case, they had a chance to get a Colton Herta. And and that's a that's that's an upgrade. It just is. And Ryan Hutter Ray, look, I, I don't think the Connor move was made without Ryan Hutter Ray being agreeable. I think they had already worked that out. There's no way this happened in well, I say, couldn't say no way, but it stands to reason that you know, 12 hours or 18 hours after they let Connor go, they had everything lined up with Hunter Ray. Maybe, but I suspect there had been some conversations prior. Maybe, although I also suspect it's very likely that Connor had been notified uh, a day or two before this was made public. So I, right. I think it's also possible that it wasn't just 24 hours between. Uh, here's the other thing where I was wrong. When this first was announced, my first thought was, because it, that was another thing with an antenna raised, and probably why Connor wasn't super happy. You know, we've known for the last six weeks or so, maybe it's only been four weeks, that Linus Lundquist, who's very highly regarded, a dominant Indy Lights champion, Indy Next champion now, last year, that he was going to be testing the car right after Detroit. So I wondered. About that. And when that first came out, my first thought was, okay, they're going to give Linus Lundquist a shot. And then when I saw the Hunter Ray announcement, I thought, you know what? I should have seen that one coming. Because I think something was brewing there before Bitnile came on board at the end of 21. Remember, Ryan Hunter Ray tested their car. Sure, uh, last fall. Uh, the fall before last in, in yeah, 21. That's right. I think... There was a scenario where Hunter Ray was going to be in that seat starting in 22, and then the Bitnile relationship is what saved that and, and allowed that to continue. Uh, and the things that, as I said, Ed said, I think those are 100% honest. They needed a veteran presence. They didn't need another young driver in there right now, as much as I think of Linus Lundquist, that doesn't know what's what. At this point, one test is not enough. You need a veteran. Uh, this could be a Brian Herta situation when he was with Andretti. And Brian had some results. Don't get me wrong. But he was always given a lot of credit with the other three championship contenders on that team of developing that car. This is almost 20 years ago in that sense. And that's what Ryan's job is going to be. And until that conference call, I don't know. I hadn't asked the question. But he did confirm it's race to race. And that's good for him that he's not committed because this he may get in there and say, wow, this is not good. And you're not paying me enough to run around 24th every week. I'm out. Uh, and it might also be, hey, we in a perfect we'll keep you on salary for the rest of the year. But we do want to get Linus Lundquist in for a, a race or two. That probably is the best case scenario. He's done two tests now. He's done an oval test with Ray Hall, and he's done the Sebring test this past week, which I suspect went pretty well. Um, but they know how well it went and whether they want to fit him in at some point. So 
I really feel for Connor. And as I said before, the, the team has not been doing well, but they're searching. And the easiest thing they can do, you can say, well, you need to fire the engineers and, and so forth. Well, some of their engineers are really well regarded. Matt Barnes is really well regarded. And then beyond that, where are you going to find replacements? And Jenna Fryer reported, and I've heard a couple of other places too, that there was a house cleaning at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan. You suspected something was coming, but I didn't know if it would happen during the season because I don't know where you're getting people. So that's one of the things that I want to see this weekend is who's engineering the Ray Hall cars? Because everyone's short on capable and quality people, unless they talked someone out of semi-retirement like they sort of did Eddie Jones a year ago. Where are they elevating from within? Maybe they have number twos that they think really, really highly of because, you know, we know the lead engineers for the team, but there are, you know, generally at least one other capable engineer on the stand and then a couple of others behind that. So that's going to be fascinating too. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, this was the time of the of the season. You know, you get through the May rush, the Indy 500, all the things that go with that. You go right into Detroit. Everyone's exhausted. And then you have a reset. The only thing that was really in the middle of this reset period, I mean, it feels like we've been off forever. We've been off, what, about ten, nine days? <laughs> and the teams went to uh, went to Road America and to Sebring to test. So they they turned around cars pretty quickly. So it's not like they've had a lot of time to breathe either, but um, this was the time to do it. There's, there'll be another break after road America between road America and mid Ohio. And we'll see if, if some more teams take some liberties there, but after that, it gets pretty, pretty hot and heavy. Uh, I would think Hunter Ray would be around to at least go to Iowa. They got a double header where he's been unbelievable at, at Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, we'll have to see. Uh, I think he'll be – I think we'll see Lundquist in, in some of the races for Ed Carpenter racing this season. It just may be a week or two at least. And I also think there could be a potential bit of a bidding war for Lundquist, as bad as it was last year, uh, at the end of last year, to find out that the scholarship was reduced and there wasn't going to be an opportunity this year. I, I think he might have – I'm not going to say a lot of options, but he might have more than one. And he might have differing options. Maybe one is part-time, maybe one is full-time. Um, so I, I think it might be and, – and I'd really love to know how he tested. If he tested well, that is going to spread. And we'll find out this weekend when we chat with some people. You know, I think there could be some other teams that are interested in, in him and might want to get him in a car to, to get things jump-started for – 2023 it is a have and have not season you know the the top teams are the ones that are contending for race wins and in the championship it's penske ganassi andretti to some extent although it's gotten a little bit lean recently and errol mclaren even though they haven't won they've been up there enough and then after that not like it normally is we, we don't have it. So uh, there's pretty soon people are going to start talking about we're working on next year. So here's an interesting stat I just happened to come across. So Marcus Armstrong, as we know, who has shown pretty well, 
Not mm-hmm. exceptional. I mean, when I say not exceptional, he's been, he's done great. But it's not like we've seen a podium finish. He's just been really solid. He has missed two races, right? He's missed the Indy 500 and, and the race at Texas Motor Speedway. His point total, single points. Yep. His point total is higher than nine full-time drivers. Yep. And and that's three Ray Halls. That's two Ed Carpenters. And that's two Meyer Shank Racings. That's five, you know, so that's seven of the of the nine. Oh, by the way, those two Meyer Shank drivers have five Indy 500 wins, a yeah. championship, and probably second, what, eight times? Right, two two right. for Simon, four or five for Elio, so not quite eight, but a whole bunch. Uh, so, yeah, he's – and and what, what to me stands out talking to Marcus – is that he seems disappointed in yeah, those right. results. He expects a lot of himself. So I I think he feels like he should have been on the podium at some point, and I think he will be on the podium before this season is over. I'm really – this weekend, if, if the Ganassi cars are good and Erickson was strong last year, and by the way, I don't know that past results are indicative because it's sort of a new event. It's a new racetrack. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a new pave. Uh, I think they're going to be four seconds faster. It's going to be a track record this weekend. Also, by the way, keep an eye on if it gets wet. My driver has been there in the wet. It's going to be treacherous. So I asked Hinch and Townsend today on our call, does that make sense to you? Are sometimes repaves more slick in the wet and the response was potentially yes sometimes there's a sealant on that's not quite been worn through so maybe it's better than it was in may but when the usf cars tested there in mid-may uh, i think i did the show from there right or on the way home yep they did about five to ten laps in a drizzle in the morning and probably half a dozen cars spent a lot of time off and then the second session, it was a light rain. They did one lap and nobody could do a second because too many went off on the first lap. And those that stayed on felt it was a miracle that they stayed on. So that would be something to watch. And there is a chance of rain on Saturday afternoon. Um, but generally speaking, though, it's going to be fast. Does that make the tires degrade more because you're putting more effort onto them or do they last longer? I don't know. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be fascinating. Last year it was, it was Penske, Andretti, Ganassi, McLaren at some point. Uh, Ray Hall Letterman was pretty good last year. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, those are the ones that, that I recall that really stood out, but it might not be the same. That said, it's been those powerhouse teams that have been getting it right more more often than not uh so that's part one what is to come next we'll get into that in just a moment um if deals haven't already been signed for next year they're going to be signed really soon so we'll look at a couple of those and some schedule uh conversation from a couple of different sources we'll get into next trackside 93.5 1075 the fan Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hi, this is Ed Carpenter, and you're listening to Trackside. IndyCar is back coming up this weekend at Road America USA and here on the radio. Uh, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Have you seen a green flag time yet, Kurt? I have not. This is noon local, 1 o'clock Eastern. We are on the air, but I do not know what time the green flag is. Well, I'll get it to you here in just a minute. I do have that in my trusty inbox. Tease for the end of the show. We'll do that in the last segment. That's a reason to stay tuned for the next segment. I would just like to alert people to make sure that it's not 106 after we go on the air at one, because we're kind of accustomed to having a 30, 40 minute pre-race show. And if it's not that, we like to let people know. So um, one free agency, which is not necessarily settled. You know, as Ryan Hunter Ray said, the 20 is still open moving forward. We've got the others. I've got no new information on Marcus Erickson. That's where things start. Although at Detroit, before one of the practices, I did watch him as I walked up talking to Michael Andretti for a good three or four minutes. And as I went up afterwards, I said, did you get that deal done? And he smiled and said, yes, I did. He was kidding. (laughs) Or was he? Or was he? (laughs) That's what's great. He could be telling me the total truth. Um yeah, that's going to be fascinating. The other one that's really interesting is one of Michael Andretti's drivers. Racer reported maybe in April that and, and had some quotes from Michael Andretti that, you know, things were trending in the right direction, but did not say he was signed. For Grosjean's, from Grosjean's standpoint, hopefully he signed because if he didn't, then... Here's the question. Might that interest have cooled just a little bit after what was such a brilliant start to the season? You know, had a chance to win each of the first four races. Okay, you could say he crashed at Texas. I don't know. That was really tight racing. I'm not going to say that's a a boneheaded move on Grosjean or anything like that. That's, That's what happens. You're running third and fourth at the end of the race. Then he finishes second in the next two races. And then it's not gone well since then. The GMR Grand Prix, I don't recall at all. He took contact at the beginning of the race, but he didn't qualify well. He started 18th, so it was already going to be difficult. The 500 didn't go well, didn't qualify well, and then crashed. Uh, Detroit did go well, qualified, but then crashed, said suspension failure. And the joke by some was, well, that's what happens if you hit the wall a a few times. So I don't know. I don't know what happened there. He had, what, he missed uh, turn eight at one point before a stop, had a little incident there, and then um, had a little coming together at one point with McLaughlin, too. So if he has not signed, do they still want him at this point? I think so, but I'm not 100% certain like I was in April. Well, I agree with you to a point. I think he's done enough to show he's capable and and he's capable of winning races. And I think he's been one of their better drivers. So the answer to that, unless the price tag is ex- kind of as, is um, higher mm-hmm. than his crash damage has been, I think they keep him. <laughs> I think they want him. Uh, but I do think, you know, they can they could have 
Erickson with or without Rojan. I don't think it's an either or. I don't either. But if they have secured Erickson, I believe that makes it easier to move on from Grosjean. True. Because they want to have a big name driver. They want to have a big name driver. Because they could potentially sell Erickson to the DHL group, who supposedly wanted more of an international presence. And here you've got someone that did drive in Formula One uh, and has won the Indianapolis 500, which Roman Grosjean has not, and has won multiple IndyCar races, which Grosjean has not at this point. So I guess I'll come back to this. I think they need Grosjean unless they've signed Ericsson. And yeah, if they've I, signed Ericsson, they might they might decide, you know what, we can uh, maybe go after one of the young drivers. Maybe we're going to get David Malukas, or we're getting Callum Eilat, or we're going to get Linus Lundqvist, or we're going to elevate Christian Rasmussen if he wins the Indy Next Championship this year. Uh, so it's also possible that they just are, all right, we haven't signed yet, and we want to wait a little while. Um, Felix Rosenquist, next on the list. Zach Brown said this, and I tend to agree with him basically said we're not ready to decide if we're going to do a fourth car yet and if and when we do i feel i fear or i don't know if he said fear but i think felix may no longer be available if i'm felix rosenquist and something comes across that i find acceptable right now he may have already signed by the way but if it comes across now I am going to Zach Brown and saying, would you like to re-sign now? And if he says, we don't know yet, then I sign. I'm not going through this again if I'm Felix Rosenquist. So I heard that Zach Brown comment. I was sitting there when he said it. And I thought, there's no way he's going to say, I'm afraid I'm going to lose Felix Rosenquist if he didn't already know that he was going to lose Felix Rosenquist. Or if he doesn't care if he loses Felix Rosenquist. One of the two. One of the two. Yes. So I really felt like Felix already knew that he needs to take whatever is available to him. And I think he has. I actually have an event with Felix in the morning. It's uh, now a sold out event, so I won't promote it. But I'm going to I'm going to press him on the subject just a little bit, even though it's a, you know, 100, 150 people in the group uh, listening. And I always joke by saying, hey, there's no reporters here. No one's running a tape recorder. Of course, we all know that camera phones are today's today's journalists. But I'm just going to see what he says and um, make a joke about it. But but I think Felix is is bound elsewhere. Um, and I think he's probably already got it signed. I just keep coming back to Erickson and why he would leave Ganassi. I know it's about the things that he's talked about and money, but man, are they in good shape? Well, yeah, but at some point, you know, this is his job. And the point of a job is to be paid for your services. And if no one is willing to pay you for your services, then it's not a great job, right? Well, yeah, but but if if Chip loses Alex Pillow, why can't he pay Marcus Erickson? Well, that's a question Chip is not willing to answer at this point. 
I understand. I just he, he gets just very angry when he, he's asked these questions. So I don't know. I understand. I just trying to put this together logically. And if I'm Chip Ganassi and if I'm losing Alex below, uh, and I know my cars are good and I know my drivers are good and a guy's won me the Indy 500. Maybe that's it. Maybe he thinks it's more car than driver and I can elevate Marcus Armstrong, who's still going to pay me something to drive my car and I can still win. And maybe I am going to hire Felix Rosenquist back at half or a third of what Marcus Erickson is being offered from Andretti or McLaren right now um, because he's running a business. It, He's it adds up. looking to make the most pro- – but I, I I get what you're saying. And that's why I still go more than 50-50 that he stays there because I hear what you're saying and I go back to that too. If he's losing Polo, why can't he just attach that sponsorship? Here's, here's why though. Here, here's what I ultimately – I'm going to answer my own question because I wonder if all of those sponsors are signed for next year and that's why he cannot commit yet – because maybe they're not all confirmed for next year to, to, to fund the 10 car, whether Pelos in it or whoever. That would be the scenario to me that could make some sense. But if he's got a fully funded car, then I don't know what would be keeping that from happening. Interesting. Other stat, than... Other than, by the way, he knows that Marcus can't sign until August. But that yeah. doesn't mean that he can't agree with someone. Yeah. Interesting stat, by the way. At this point in the season, uh, the Ganassi cars are one, two, and four in the standings. Yeah. Uh, Penske's won the Indy 500. Last year ended with Penske one two, and four in the standings with Ganassi winning the Indy 500. So we've, we've done just, a, just an opposite. So there are more free agents. We'll get to some others. We'll have other times to get into that because I just think a lot is going to be going on. But I want to hit on a couple of other things happening. Uh, so where did I read this? Indy 44, as always, tweeted it yesterday, day before. It was a story out of a Brazilian outlet, and the headline translated was SPT, in capital letters, URIS, is negotiating return of Formula Indy to the city, also for 2024. So that, uh, I think, means Sao Paulo tourism. And it was really a story about Sao Paulo and Interlagos adding the World Endurance Championship, the series that Lamar is is a part of. And it's just a, it's a long article talking about how motorsport is important. And then a throwaway line at the end, one line that says that with no other details, that the group is negotiating the return of Formula Indy to the city also for 2024. So you have that. And then uh, late this afternoon, Jack Benyon of The Race posted a story quoting Mark Miles from Penske Entertainment. It is more likely than not that a new venue will feature on the IndyCar calendar in 24, and more than one option is being considered outside of the United States. Mark said, if I take your question literally, will anything be new? I'd say it's more likely than not. 
Uh, as to where and how many, it's a work in progress. The discussions include more than one option outside of the U.S. So we know the other option would be Argentina, where a very successful exhibition has taken place. I have to believe the success of Augustine Canapino and the Junco's Hollinger team being in many ways, the next best team you know, uh, outside of the powerhouse teams at certain events. I would think that helps their cause. We could wonder about Mexico. I don't know if anything is on the horizon there, but you have to think about that with Pato Award. So those are the international uh, aspects. And there are a lot of other nuggets. I'm going to just pull up the story. Have you seen this? Just came out late this afternoon. I've not seen this one. Okay, because uh, he gets into some other areas there as well. Um, Mark does say it's possible that these international races could be exhibition races. So I think that would tell us that they're looking at places on the calendar and you're looking at climate involved. And if it's going to be late in the fall, I don't, I don't think you want your championship there. And I'm not sure that you want your season to kick off there, although you could debate that. And that's been done before. But ideally, you'd prefer it to happen at St. Pete. There might even be something in the contract that says St. Pete is guaranteed to be your points-paying opener. So those are factors that could be involved. And if they come out to watch one car, 50, 70,000, whatever it was, then I wouldn't be too worried about an exhibition, whether people are going to come and see that. Kind of sounds to me like they would. Uh, and then you get similar time zones for both Argentina and Brazil, so... Uh, that's something that I think is of potential interest as well. And there were a couple of other nuggets in there. And if I could ever get my iPad to refresh, I would tell you what they were. But I'm using up all the internet juice for our live show tonight. So that may be something we have to do in the next segment as well, because my, my iPad is efforting. So while that reloads, I want to tell you about some things coming up this weekend if you're going to Road America, uh, you're familiar with racing for kids. Didn't Robbie Buell have a lot to do with that back in the day? Yeah, yeah he was that's he right. was a big brand ambassador for racing for kids. It's been around for many many years, and it's still very active. And I know this is because uh, I've I've walked through it. I've, I've attended several times, and I was asked this year to participate. And there are several of us that are going to be uh, quote celebrity bartenders uh, at Siebkins. Very famous establishment where um, still today and certainly back in the day, drivers would congregate and you'll still see drivers there on. In fact, I usually see multiple drivers in there every Thursday leading into a race weekend. And I've not stayed on Sunday nights, but I bet you see some on Sundays as well. I know David Hobbs is going to be one that is there as a celebrity bartender. I can tell you that he does make a very, very spicy gin and tonic. So you should order that from, from Hobbo. Uh, Lee Diffie will be there. I will be there and, and quite a few others if I can pull up the list. But it's all the, the tips go to Racing for Kids. So I hope you can join us 7 to 9-ish. And the event usually goes much longer than that. And it is kid-friendly. It's an outside area as well, so it's not 21 and over. Kids with their parents, that might be a requirement that you need to be with your parents. But I know kids are welcome, and it's a fun event. So I hope you can come and join us for that. And if you're in the Indianapolis market, uh, the Vintage Car Racing Association will be at the Speedway on Saturday and Sunday. Gates open both days at 8 
and a lot of really cool cars. There'll be more than a hundred of them. Pre-war cars, a Trans Am race. This runs, as I said, both days, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, it's called the Brickyard Vintage Racing Invitational. Very fun event. Not a lot of pressure. And uh, it runs till mid-afternoon both days after opening up in the morning. So you can do that at Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend. I found the graphic for the uh, Seepkins event. James Hinchcliffe is also one of the celebrity bartenders. Hunter McElray, Indy Next Driver, Augie Paps, one of the team owners. That's his home track or some of the other names. Steve Welk, who I think a lot of us in the industry know. One of David's sons, Guy, who was a racing driver. Jackson Lee is listed with a special appearance. He will not be bartending. Chris Wheeler also, fresh back from Lamar. He was one of those there. Uh, a lot of safety cars. I think they're still under yeah. safety car at Le Mans. Every time I looked, we're up under to 48 hours car. now. Yeah. yeah. Our buddy Colin Brown won the Rolex 24 with Meyer Shank. He won in class in LMP2 Pro Am. And Ben Keating, the Texas car dealer, won in a Corvette in GTM. Uh, the uh, Ferrari won overall. Cadillac Ganassi finished third and fourth. The Bourdais and Dixon program finished uh in fourth all right we'll get to the rest of the article in the race as my internet refreshes and what else we miss coming up next this is a raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to mcdonald's for mcnuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor come to mcdonald's and treat yourself to the grandma mcflurry today and participate in mcdonald's for a limited time whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Alex Palou, and you're listening to Truckside. I finally have internet. Uh, the ants are dancing, and they have refreshed. And here was the other nugget out of Jack Benyon's TheRace.com story. It was about the... Uh, CW show 100 Days to Indy, which I finally caught up with a couple of days ago. I did get a tweet from someone that said, why were you in the show more than Scott Dixon? And I, I'm sorry, I can't answer that. I don't know. And, and why was I listed as a journalist? I probably should have said something to someone at some point. And I guess I'm sort of a journalist, but I'm really a broadcaster. Um, but I, I, I think Scott didn't speak in good four second sound bites. And that's how you get on those shows is that you are succinct and you say what they need to be said to finish telling the story. Uh, but I watched it. It was good. It was good. And I wasn't in much of the last one. So I enjoyed the last one a lot. Uh, the well, story says that Mark Miles is quoted as saying it's very close to having something done with another streaming partner where people could watch internationally. And this has been talked about before. So it was airing on the CW on television in most markets in the U.S. Uh, and then there was the option for Vice to sell it to a Netflix or an Amazon or a Hulu or probably Discovery. I don't know if Discovery would be in that category or not, but something like that where it could be introduced to more people and it would be available internationally. So that's positive. He also pointed out that the numbers that we've seen, which, you know, frankly are not huge, but in some ways, they're bigger than I expected. I, I didn't know what to expect, but I thought it was possible it might be 50,000 people. And there's been more like 200,000 people watching the first airing. And Mark mentioned that that does not include people watching off the app, which are people like me. Because the CW is not on YouTube TV, so I watch it the next day 
on the app. And he said uh, the future of the docuseries isn't resolved, saying it's likely that it will continue. It's I'm sorry. It's not likely it will continue in the same format this year, but added it's highly likely that in some form or another, season two will happen. Could start early in the year um, and do something a little bit different. So all positive stuff there. Yeah. uh, And keep in mind, I mean, people who watch streaming a lot know this, but I think you're going to pick up people as we go through the season. Something will happen that'll spark some interest. You'll see it in your in your archives and it'll be it'll be good that uh, a chance, you know, people people uh, consume this in big groups, meaning if they see one episode, they'll probably watch it all. So, yep. And to a lot of people, it's all going to be new and it's even though it's dated, it's not going to be dated. It's going to be generic to them. And that's why it will play well. And in some ways, you're hoping people watch it over the wintertime and get amped up for the next season. Hey, shameless plug, one of uh, the Jackson Lee Racing partners, also a Cusick Motorsports partner with Stefan Wilson, Lola Sport. You need a Father's Day gift. They've got really good golf shirts. They've just introduced a men's line. I subtly got those in on 100 Days to Indy a few times. JL20 is the code for 20% off, and it helps Jackson's program. So we'd like some people to buy some of those and continue with that partnership uh, on down the road and just help out Don Cusick. He's an investor in the, in the, the brand, uh, and it's Mr. Peterman from Seinfeld. It's his brand as well. So there you go. Next week. So 30-minute intro or 30-minute pre-race show this this Sunday. Oh, thank you. Yes. So yes. That was the other thing you needed to know. So airtime on uh, 1 o'clock on Sunday with Green Flag at 1.30 Eastern. That's a big point here as many people will end up in the central time zone covering or attending the race. So a 30-minute pre-race show. Next week we are... Tuesday night, full show yes. from 7 until 9. I do believe we're out an hour early because Stanley Cup final coverage is up next here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.